Welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock. Wednesday afternoon edition of the show. Gentlemen, good to be back with you after my unexpected absence yesterday. We missed you, but we had a good time. Good. I'm digging this Houston Crest on the drive thing. It's pretty fun. Me when too. you're out. I've never seen him laugh as hard as he did 30 seconds before we went on the air when I was telling <laughs> I that story. I don't know what it was. It was that. And then when Bear said the Incredible Hulk theme, because I used to watch that show as a oh, kid. Oh, God. I, I damn near tears would be rolling down my cheeks. The end of every episode. I, I, was, I don't get walking, the reference, but I want to go look it he's up He's trying on to catch now. a bus or something, and it's just. It was like he was like the lonely nomad, the Hulk. He could never stay somewhere because he'd, you know, he'd Hulk out and he'd destroy everything and the end of everyone it's like the absolute saddest piano music ever and you just see the guy walking down a, a lonely highway by himself i yeah. feel like that would be the hardest part of being the hulk after you hulk out yes yeah, being the hulk <laughs> I mean, it's like oh did it again didn't i boys huh okay sorry on to the next town sorry about that <laughs> it's not easy when you kind of mess stuff up and you i'm sorry you know I'm you, sorry. You didn't mean to. But you never watched the old Hulk? Lou Ferrigno? I, I did, but it's been so long. Yeah. Like This is in the 1980s. Is, I mean, I was a child the last time I saw this. I cannot remember. Yeah, but it was like little Bill Bixby. Dude's like Rick Butler's, you know, like kind of size guy. Kind of small. He's just thin. And, uh, and it just Shot was wild. Butler a little bit, calling him small and weak. I didn't call him weak. First, eh. It was implied. Slim. He's, he's fast. We'll give him that. Yeah, he is Fastest fast. man at fan run. We'll be talking to Rick's RTI partner in crime, Ryan Shumpert, coming up here in just a mere matter of moments. Interesting day yesterday. You know, you expect a couple of hammer jobs on Missouri and UNC Asheville mm-hmm. for the Vols. Just an uneventful Tuesday, right? We're just going to yeah. roll out there and smash. UNC Asheville win that game like nineteen to four or something. Get a bunch of different guys in, uh, and then just walk the dog on Missouri. But I didn't think we talked about it on the show because that um, people kept asking me. I was getting accused of being uh, not a Debbie Downer, but just kind of pessimistic about last night. Last night scared me. Well, sometimes things don't things don't go like you expect. I, I was more worried about Arkansas, and I'm, it was somebody on this show, I think it might have been you, Houston, that said, I expect the Missouri game to kind of go like the Arkansas game where you're go, you're on the road in the SEC, they're going to be fired up to see you, and you're going to get their best effort, and they probably and maybe they hang with you mm-hmm. for 20 minutes, yeah. and then you exert your will on them in the second half, which is kind of what happened. It was really more reminiscent of the Vanderbilt game yes, yes. in Nashville 
where it was a brutal, slow, frustrating slog for 30 minutes, and then we took over the last 10. But again, guys, being able to win games in different ways, and we go with the double bigs with the Waka, and you know, we, we do this thing after anything works a little bit, where it's like, oh, well, that's what we should do all the time now. And I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it, it, you know, I I still think we're going to play small ball, and I think that's when we play our best is when everybody is is working in that construct. But it is good to know that there's just another thing we can do. Okay, maybe we're running on teams and everybody's hitting on all cylinders, and we score ninety like we did at Rupp. Or we can turn around and grind it out and maybe Rock Connect fight. just carries us. He goes for 35. We can win games that way. Now it's like, okay, well, maybe you can put in, if you're playing a team that's outmatched in the paint, you put in a walk-up with Adu, mm-hmm. and we can bully ball that way. And doesn't hurt when Connect is doing Dalton Connect things. The old Aaron Torres adage, Bear, you got to be able to win different kinds of games in different kinds of ways. I know it was frustrating, but it was encouraging to me to see Rick Barnes be a little bit flexible, stay the course, make some adjustments, and figure out a way not to embarrass yourself because that would have been just a humiliating defeat. Yeah, that and, you know, whatever, I, I imagine that was a pretty rough halftime. I mean, damn. I mean, what do you – I mean, you, you've got to make wholesale changes and motivate your – you got to do something different. you got to get the, you got to get the players um, focused. Because, yeah, we were in danger of having an all-time stinker. <laughs> oh, that would have been – that would have been oh. a tough one. This would have been a five-alarm meltdown today, all day, here on Fan Run Radio. I think it's safe to say if that's any team other than Missouri – that's probably an L. They got open looks a lot in the first half, and they just couldn't shoot. Like they're just not a very. Honest to God, I think Vanderbilt would have beat us. Last yeah, night. they're just not a very fundamentally sound team. They were they were getting open looks, but they were taking them off balance and leaning and way floating to the air. Too. Yeah, well, so were we for a while. That game was helter skelter in the worst way. It's one thing if you're trading layup for layup for layup. It was just brick city. What was what was the score at the under four at the under sixteen? Was it, was it one to nothing? Yeah, it was one yeah. nothing. Like, that's crazy. I want to say it was like six to four, maybe at the under twelve. I feel like it was yeah. four to two for a while. Dude, yeah. I, I watched it, it again. Believe it or minutes. not, because when I came in, uh, you watched that game. Yeah, when I came in after I ran my errands this morning, it was I'd, I'd forgotten left my TV on, and it was on SEC Network, and I looked up and it was like four to two, and there was like what like. Uh, right around the under 10 in the first half. It's, it's unbelievable. It was just god-awful. I mean, and I get, Dane was hilarious because – Him and Tom Hart, they were having a good time we, uh, with it. They scored the back-to-back baskets, yeah. and yeah. Dane's like, this is absolute offense fest just yeah. broke out here. Hart's like, this is insane! <laughs> back-to-back buckets, wow! I was like, oh, man. Well, and, and I mean, they're two alma maters, so it's like they're both over there like – they're embarrassed for each other, but also really just themselves. It was it you was, gotta do something it was funny, to keep man. people from turning that stuff off. <laughs> it was funny. I know it, it was frustrating, and some fans are you know are more pessimistic fans out there. That that section of the fan base, God you bless just. them. We we love them. <laughs> um, you know they're probably still a little salty about it today. It's it's whatever. I mean, you know, ranked 
teams, whatever that stat is, top 10 teams on the road against unranked opponents, how difficult that has been this year. I'm just glad to get out of there with the W. It, it's interesting because we hear from those folks so much when this team is struggling. What's one of the criticisms you always hear? Oh, they look tired. Our team looks tired. Well, we had that game Saturday where we emptied the bench and mm-hmm. nobody played over 24 yeah. minutes. And, like, I would agree with the assessment that they looked tired at times last night. But how can that be when the previous time out, everybody got rested and everybody got to play? Just a interesting thought I had. Maybe, maybe a, a tough Monday practice. I don't know. <laughs> but at I would, the, I would at assume. At this point in the season, all coaches, I don't, and I, they could be the baddest SOB on the planet. If you're in contention to make the tournament this time of year, everybody's pulling off the gas as far as mm. hard practices and extra yeah. sprints and that kind of stuff. Well, you had the you did have a game Saturday and the Tuesday game, so I'm guessing they still practiced Sunday and Monday, yeah. and then you have a long travel Monday. So they're probably off today. I don't know this for sure, but I'm, I'm guessing this is the way it works. So hopefully everybody gets uh, some much-needed rest today and then – we have game, uh, you know, practice Thursday, Friday, and a big one Saturday. It has been declared a checker Thompson Bowling Ooh, hadn't game. Seen that. Yeah, that just came out. It's the eight o'clock ESPN game, so it's the it's the game Saturday night. Big revenge game. I, I I feel like this. I've said this several times, and it's bitten me several times. But I'm just going to throw it out there again because it's how I feel. Feel like we should be up for this one no sure. no yeah. way we although a&m you guys realize they haven't won haven't since won. they beat us oh they've been miserable they yeah. lost, to say. lost at home to arkansas last night oh. yeah we were talking about that uh on vr actually what the heck man it just dawned on us like they have not won since they beat us I hate it. That, that worries me. <laughs> yeah. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> well, should be a good crowd and a great atmosphere Saturday night. Yes. And, and, and we should be up for it, hopefully. Uh, Late night edition of VR. Our, our, our guy Buzz coming back in here, hopefully stays off the court. So what do you guys think, like, just jumping back to, to Tobey, I mean, is – are we gonna if he could if we could get any kind of consistency? I, I'm not. I understand he's not gonna score 18 every night. Well, his problem this year has been he can't stay out of foul trouble. He plays five minutes and he picks up three or four fouls. Last night he he stayed pretty clean. Dude, and I don't know. And his his free throw shootings like he's money right. It was now. good. His touch around the basket was good. He missed a couple bunnies, but the good thing about Tobey when he misses a bunny, he typically can grab his own rebound and put it back again. I hope it's him carving out a role and yep. establishing himself. And like Bear said, we're not going to get 18 every night out of him. But there have been times where like, we put him in the game and he doesn't do much. Mm-hmm. And then we don't put him back in and he ends up only playing five or six minutes. Right. And it would be great if he can go ahead. And him and Meshack need to be carving out a solid 12 to 15 minutes a night where we put him in there. We know what we're going to get out of them. Hard to read too. I mean, we played Missouri, right? It's yeah. We're we're not going to be playing teams lacking in the post that much. That team is obviously a little bit chaotic and dysfunctional off the court. There's some stuff going on there that we're going to talk about. Wow, uh, coming up here later in the show. But for for me, it's just sort of we're in the grind, man. We are in the meat grinder of the SEC season right now. It's a race to the finish. 
We're still alive for this conference championship, which means something to me. And survive in advance is is kind of the thing. I that's I'm not going to say it's an NCAA tournament game because they suck, but it is sort of uh, just whatever. Get the W, get on that plane, get home. Let's get rested up and just on to the next one, man. Now you mentioned the stat of top five teams on the road. I don't know what it is today, but that was a sub 500 record going yeah. into this past weekend. So oh, yeah. Yeah, Missouri's bad. They hadn't won a conference game, and you struggled, but you got the win. You're Could not part worse. of that statistic. So. Could be UConn. Yeah, they got Good great. They got barreled last night. Conscious from three last night. The first half. Did that keep up in the second? Went in the game by about 20. 20, yeah. Went on a big run the last 10 minutes of the first half and were able to get, get it done. And uh, Danny Hurley. We'll tie this into the Dennis Gates thing here in just a little while. Tennessee baseball last night, kind of sticking with the theme here. We thought it was going to be easy. It was a lot harder, but at least you didn't win. We're hoping to have Vitello on the show tomorrow. Yeah. And what I am what I would like to ask him, we'll see what happens today as they play again at 430 here against ETSU. But I, I wonder – when he, I'm sure he goes into these midweek games thinking, all right, well, I'm going to get all these young guys. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start Charlie Taylor behind the plate, and we're gonna get these young pitchers in. We're gonna start a true freshman. We're gonna play all these different guys. When you get into it, and they score the first run, and then you're in a dogfight. I'm wondering, like, is is he able to stick to that plan in his mind? Because we did use, you know, the the little Hunley gets yeah. the. The win last night. Are you still sticking to that? Is just like this is developmental time. I want to get these guys in, or is it just sheer competitiveness take over? And you just want to win the game. You want to avoid the embarrassment of losing to UNC Asheville. I wonder what's going through his mind last night. I think in a week or two, you'll know a little bit. I I think at this point of the season, because, well, I don't know. We, I mean, we've seen it. Vanderbilt lost yesterday. Wake Forest lost yesterday. I mean, good teams what, are going Vandy's down at home. Now? They're 2-2. Two Vandy and two. boys! 2-2. Two two. Vandy boys. But I feel like last year and in years prior, he'd kind of wait till we were up 7 nothing, 9 nothing, yeah. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to sub in. At, you know, we'll sub two guys in this inning, vice, you know, I got a little. I mean, I'll raise my hand. I was nervous yesterday. UNC Asheville, not before the game, but as you oh, know, we no. get to the sixth inning, and no. I'm like, "Is this real? Like, is this happening right now?" I wasn't nervous. I just, I, you know, we've lost some midweek games. Oh yeah, over the past few years. It's so, baseball. Yeah, you can lose games now, and it's not going to kill you. But I don't know. I was just surprised. Like head scratcher kind of thing. Like, really? Yeah. Let Tennessee Tech beat us, huh? In a big ballpark. Another talented freshman. On the hill today, Matthew Dallas, no relation to Chad, to Chad Dallas. No. The cheese. Which is – that's I'm working on that. I'm working on nailing that down. So, Hunley, Austin Hunley is Sean Nunley's brother. Yep. But Matthew Dallas, no relation to Chad Cheese Dallas. Austin, no, what would you just say? Bear, if it's taken me this long to get here, uh, bless you, I love you. I, I, I will explain this to you off the air. I know. You, you, know you nailed it just on. now, though. I, no, I, I I know exactly what you're stuck on. I also know that no matter what I say to you right now, you will continue to be stuck on it for 
probably the entire season, if we're being honest. So well, we're getting ready to go to commercial break. I, I just let me see. Did you say Sean Nunley? No. Yeah, you did. Sean Hunley. Okay. I thought you said. I thought you said. I did. Well, okay. Well, you you added a layer to there. I didn't see that part of it, but no. Sean Hunley getting the win last night for uh, no. the baseballs. Austin. Austin. His John's brother. brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not confused. I just misheard what you said. I was like, whoa. Coming up, Ryan Shumpert joins the festivities. RockyTopInsider.com. He was at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, the newly revamped Lindsey Nelson Stadium, debuting the new left field seating down the line. I thought it looked Really good on on TV there, and man, Tennessee fans, dude. Like what do we have forty seven hundred folks out there for the first game. It's a program record. It was a beautiful night for baseball out there. Shout out to the fans getting out there and getting behind this baseball program. So cool to see everybody uh, so fired up about Tennessee baseball, and I'm sure there are thousands just like me watching it on their phone. A little Andy Brock action last night. Great job by those guys, and love seeing. Everybody get behind this baseball program. Stay with us. The drive continues. Fan Run Radio. Back with more right after this. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Major programming announcement coming up tomorrow. Indeed. Not that. What could it be? The suspense is killing me. Find out tomorrow, 3 p.m., right here on Fan Run Radio. We have a major guest joining us right now. He is Ryan Shumpert of RockyTopInsider.com, who I understand is strolling across the campus of the University of Tennessee Knoxville on his way to the newly revamped Lindsey Nelson Stadium for a little college baseball today between the Volunteers and the Buccaneers of ETSU. Ryan, good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Long time no talk. Glad to be back on. And Yeah, no, February baseball oftentimes is marked by some truly awful weather but man it feels like it could be late april today just a, a beautiful day to be at the ballpark oh man it's fantastic and it'd be interested to hear people's thoughts on the the seats man i mean it just looks it looks so much more grown up and professional right with the 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 built-in seats down the left field line and we we can't wait for the tower and the new press box to be complete and everything but it's just sort of symbolic of the growth of this program under tony vitello if you build it they will come 4700 people a program record out there to see unc Asheville last night ryan that's huge it really is and yeah i mean it's it looks like you know maybe not as nice as some of the sec stadiums but it looks like a nice sec ballpark and uh, obviously those are just world-class baseball parks in the SEC, so to go from, you know, looking like even before, and even last year didn't look great with the temporary bleachers, but when they had the, just the patios kind of down the left field line, I mean, it felt like a SoCon ballpark, uh, and to go from that to, to what is truly feels like 
uh, a top-level SEC facility, and obviously it'll only get better and it'll only continue to kind of climb up those ranks and seem more and more first-class in the next year or so. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see, and I'm sure extremely gratifying for Tony Vitello and, and all those players that are no longer in the program and all the coaches that have kind of been with them this whole tenure. Mm. And they're the ones that have really built it. Four games in, Ryan, is Tennessee baseball ahead of where you thought they'd be, behind, or right on schedule? Yeah, I think that's kind of hard to say. I would say in some areas they're ahead. I think you certainly feel better about the starting pitching, even though Xander Seacrest didn't have a great outing, and it's still going to be a lot to figure out that third starting spot. And we knew A.J. Russell was going to be the other starter to Drew Beam. But for him to look that dominant, I mean, I think that just goes a long way. I said it. On RTI, uh, our, our RTI baseball preview podcast, it was like, if A.J. Russell can just be the guy that Tennessee thinks he can be and he's shown glimpses of, or he showed glimpses of as a freshman, it just eases so many concerns about the pitching staff as a whole. And, and obviously he did that tenfold in his season opening start. And then on the other side, I mean, I think you look at four games in, the offense has been disappointing, and um, but I don't know how much I really – Read into that is too much of a negative. I mean, it obviously is a negative, but I'm not worried about where Tennessee's offense is at at this point. Obviously, it was a very quick turnaround from playing Sunday night in Dallas. They didn't get back until Monday afternoon, and then turning around and playing Tuesday afternoon. So I think you'll see a good offensive performance today and still feel really good about what Tennessee's lineup's going to look like and how productive that offense is going to be this season. I'm hearing rumblings from the ballpark. Tennessee has not released its lineup yet today. Perhaps you've seen it, though, Ryan, that uh, Christian Moore is moving into the leadoff spot today, something I advocated for here on Monday. Obviously, Tony Vitello listening to the drive, finally taking our advice here, and I, I can only imagine that this will lead to bigger and better things for that aforementioned Tennessee offense. That's the only, you know, I think that's definitely what it is. He, he heard you guys talk yep. about it and knew he had to make the move. And, yeah, I mean, the leadoff spot's kind of the one spot that I don't feel like Tennessee has a natural guy there. Uh, but certainly Christian Moore has speed. He's hit the ball as well as anybody on this Tennessee team early in the season. And, you know, I think he and Billy Ammon will be Tennessee's two best bats. And when you look at kind of the evolution of baseball in modern with the analytics and all that stuff, you know, you typically have your best hitter in the two spot, but just in general, you want to get those guys as to the top of the order as you can to get your best best batters as many uh, plate appearances as you can over the course of the season. So I think Christian Moore is a guy that makes sense there, um, and I'm sure there will be plenty of more tinkering. And I, I do know Matthew Dallas, uh, the freshman lefty, will get to start today. And, you know, I hope we get to see him throw three innings like they did for all three guys at three yesterday, including Derek Schaefer, and I found that interesting. Dallas and Schaefer, probably Tennessee's, Two most talented freshman pitchers, two guys that have really high ceilings even this season. Um, and as Tennessee kind of searches for who it's going to be at third, who is going to be its third weekend starter, um, those are two guys that, with good midweek starts, could potentially earn some opportunities in the weekend as the balls get closer to SEC play. Yeah, it feels like the door for that third starter is wide open, Shump, and uh, you know it's a huge opportunity for Xander Seacrest on Sunday. He didn't fall on his face, but he also didn't set the world on fire. And um, it, it just feels like there's a couple of guys there. Do you think that's something that's going to take a couple of weeks to sort itself out? And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see a different guy this Sunday and, and that's, it's kind of an ongoing audition process? Or do you think that, you know, Tony 
has an idea maybe in his head, even if he won't admit it publicly, of where that might be headed? I think it's definitely going to be kind of an audition process. And Xander may, you know, Seacrest may start again this Sunday. That wouldn't surprise me. But I think you're definitely going to see multiple people start before SEC play. Uh, Tennessee also plays Kansas State on a Tuesday night. I would fully expect him uh, to use that kind of as an audition-type start uh, for somebody, try to maximize the opportunities um, for people to prove it. And, you know, I think there's a number of options, and Tony Vitello may have an ideal path, but I don't think he's for sure of anything. I don't think anybody's grabbed it, and anybody's been super, super convincing. And, you know, this is kind of the reality of college baseball, and Tennessee's been spoiled the last couple of years. It's kind of rare that you just have three guys that you know were completely locked into those weekend starter spots. So this will definitely go on for a few more weeks. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes on into SEC play. And I don't think Tennessee's even looking for anybody that's going to set the world on fire. They just... They're just looking for one person that can go out there, get you two times through the lineup, four to five innings, you know, give up three or less runs, and and keep Tennessee in games on the weekend, and turn it over to the bullpen, and let the offense try to win some high-scoring games, which is you know very often the case of how these games play out on Sundays in the SEC. Ryan Schumpert, RockyTopInsider.com, is our guest this afternoon on the show, and Ryan switching gears to basketball last night, and should we be alarmed at the lackluster performance for 30 minutes against a team that still hasn't won a league game, or should fans just be grateful to avoid the upset? I think it's a little bit of both. Now, just on its surface, I think Tennessee fans would be more grateful. You avoid the upset. You you avoid a really bad loss, you get a win, and that's really all that matters playing on the road in the SEC. But when you talk about what were Tennessee's issues last night, why did they not play well, why were – through 30 minutes, would it look like they were in trouble? It's the fact that their offense struggled again, and that's now going back to the South Carolina game. What three games in the last six or seven that Tennessee's offense has really struggled and had kind of prolonged droughts? And look, college basketball is not a sport of consistency. You're going to get that some, um, but you're kind of seeing it more and more often. I think it continues to kind of, at least for me, I raise my eyebrow a little bit to it and saying this is becoming more of an issue for Tennessee. But at the same time, the A&M game and the South Carolina game, Tennessee's offense never came alive. They never found anything. And Tennessee found something last night and was able to score 72 points and still pick up the win. And, heck, you know, 72 points, even against the bad team on the road, was a pretty good offensive uh, outage for the Tennessee team last year. And rightfully so, we're looking at it right last night of what went wrong for Tennessee and talking about everything that went wrong. And I think that kind of shows the growth of this team uh, year over year and just how much better and more balanced they are. Uh, this season. Hey, Ryan, what about Dennis Gates after the game last night? I'm sure you've seen the video footage of him dropping an F-bomb, talking about his team, they they suck at whatever. And, uh, you know, we've seen Penny Hardaway cursing, ripping his own team. Rick Pitino Mm -hmm. has done it. We see uh, this guy Hurley up at UConn threatening to fight fans on his way off the court against Creighton. Am I being an old man sipping lemonade up on my front porch when I say there is a sudden lack of decorum amongst college basketball coaches? What is going on here? I don't know. I mean, I've raised my eyebrow to it a little bit, too, especially the Gates one last night. I mean, he was talking about his team drawing fouls. Like, that seemed like the weirdest thing to be you know, dropping F-bombs about and be so upset about. But, you know, he's 0-13 in SEC play, so I get the frustration. I do feel like we've seen it more this season. 
what's the cause? I'm not really sure. Um, you know, Hurley and Patino, to me, it's not shocking. That's kind of those guys' personalities. Now, Patino going as far as he did, throwing his entire team under the bus, uh, was a little bit crazy. But just those two guys cussing, to me, that's kind of their personality. Um, but certainly it's not just been those two. It's been it's been a lot more. So I'm not really sure exactly what I make of it, but it is something that I've I've had the same thought, that I feel like we're, we're seeing that trend a lot more this season. I just can't imagine Richard Dale Barnes up there uh, sounding like Sam Kennison on the mic after one of these <laughs> these games, man. It's in such stark contrast. Any Tennessee coaches, like if, if any Tennessee coach cursed at, at a press conference, like it would be a major story locally. It's a little bit more, you know, button-down conservative area of, of the country down here. But I just like it, it's still, I, I kind of – like a, a kid when a kid says something bad in school and yeah. everybody's like, oh, you know, that's <laughs> that's kind of what I feel like when I hear one of these coaches say something like that. And, uh, you're absolutely right, and it's you know I've heard Barnes do a lot of screaming over the years of practice, and I don't think I've ever heard him you know say a cuss word. So you're right; it would be out of character really for any of Tennessee's coaches to do it in a press conference. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, obviously Patino had the different spurt this weekend, but you know, he I think the time he dropped an F bomb was also after they lost to Creighton earlier this year. So maybe there's something about being in the Big East and going to Omaha and Nebraska to play a conference <laughs> yeah. game and losing that just brings so, the worst out of people. So what happened with uh was it Bobby Hurley last night? Danny. Danny Hurley. I get those guys mixed up. Sorry. He went after I shouldn't say went after. He chirped back at a fan that was chirping at him as he came off the court. What did he say? I'm gonna knock your teeth out? Yeah, he said I'll yeah, something like that. I'll I'll kill yeah, you or bad. something. Yeah. It would not surprise yeah, me. Yeah, I'll come out there and beat you up essentially. He's a Hurley. I mean, <laughs> you got to – yeah, I, I don't know. It just feels like you, you just lost. Tempers are running hot. As a professional, I feel like you, you kind of have to just hang your head, not out of shame, but you have to have those blind – knowing yeah. you're going to be no, getting yeah. it. You, you, I agree. I think at that point you just keep the head down, keep the, the strut forward, get to the locker room, and sort it out there. I don't I don't like it when they go after fans like that. Yeah, but I mean, what what do you think is going to happen if you're sitting there in the stands? And I mean, this is you know one of the Hurleys. I mean, what do you? He's pissed. Well, nothing's going to happen. I mean, he well, would, no, get, he I would mean, be restrained before he went up there, he, and he's not going to go up there. And it's but just, he's going to say something back. I just it didn't surprise me. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I don't know. I I, I think you're you're the head coach. Yeah. And I, I think this is the problem. Is like it starts from the top, right? And and it and it filters down and. Um, I, I don't know. I hope we never have an, an ugly malice at the palace incident sure. in college basketball. But when the coaches are behaving this way, then you know what? What? Who's to say what's going to happen with the players? All right, uh, Ryan. Last thing, we'll let you run here. Uh, your thoughts on the new look to Josh Heupel's coaching staff with the additions of Darrell Sims to coach the running backs in William Inge. That was just announced officially by the university moments ago. I really like both hires, and William Inge especially when you're talking about a guy that has a ton of experience, was just on a national championship staff, and you know the plan was for him to follow uh, Kalen DeBoer to Alabama, and he decides last minute to instead go to Tennessee. So when you're poaching a coach that Alabama was going to have, that's obviously a big deal. That's obviously uh, a major a major win and kind of flex of the muscles for the program. And then uh, Sims, I mean, you look at just the success that the running back rooms he's had that have coached. I mean, he's only been in – He's an experienced coach, but he's only been in Power 5 football for four years. I think three of those years his teams have 
ranked in the top 25 of yards per game. So, obviously, that's not just as simple as the facts, but it is pretty good track record in four seasons. And a guy that coached at Carson Newman has a bunch of ties in North Carolina and South Carolina important recruiting areas for Tennessee. I like both fighters. I like the fact that uh, Josh Heupel, you know, didn't just promote from within and kind of went and got some fresh blood in the program and got some guys with strong, decorated past, and particularly on the, the recruiting trail. Yeah, he's, he's kind of earned the benefit of the doubt with these hires, hasn't he? I mean, the next time he really screws one up will be the first since he's been here anyway. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he's he hasn't had to make a ton of them either. And, and you know, obviously – when John Murray left for Michigan, that's the first guy in the defensive staff he's had to hire in three years. But he's done a good job with all of them. Uh, you know, that jury's probably still out on some degree with Alec Ablin as he gets more and more comfortable uh, in a recruiting role. But, you know, Kelsey Pope was an absolute hit, home run hire. And uh, obviously, I think the Joey Halsley one was kind of a, a no brainer because Hypo wanted to get a guy that, that understands his system and is going to kind of continue to grow with an offense coordinator under him, kind of like Golish did at uh, South Florida, or excuse me, Central Florida. Well, Ryan, we'd love to keep you, but Bob Baskerville says it's time for you to get back to work. <laughs> so uh, the, the whip has been cracked. Uh, we'll let you get up there and Lindsey Nelson. What do they they serve you hot dogs or something up there at Lindsey Nelson? Oh yeah, we got hot dogs. Uh, I had to resist the urge. I had I wanted to have a second hot dog yesterday, and I'm gonna be here five times in the next six days. I don't need to go overboard on the hot dogs on day one. So I'm gonna go get me a oh, hot dog, I... a little bit of popcorn, and watch some baseball. Nice veteran attitude there, Shump. Don't wear yourself out early in the season. It's a long road to Omaha. Ain't that the truth. Ryan, uh, everybody go check him out, RockyTopInsider.com. Ryan Shumpert, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'll see you. Ryan Shumpert making his presence felt this afternoon. Did you guys talk about uh, the note, Georgia made a run after that's what Kelsey I was, Pope? That's what I was – that's why I – was gonna because I, I didn't know if he uh, I couldn't remember where I if he if it was one of the RTI guys. Yeah, apparently, Georgia made a major run at Kelsey Pope. I saw that yesterday, but I, it was somebody talking about it, and I couldn't track down the original, so well, I wasn't sure can, if it was legit. So Georgia officially just, made a run at yeah. Pope, and we kept him. Solid. Yeah, and his his extension, I guess, will be announced, right, Russ? Is that what it is? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, but I mean, it's you, you steal a guy from Alabama. Mm-hmm. You prevent a guy from going to Georgia. I mean, a guy who's got, I mean, he's fastened the big orange cup. I'm not saying that. Uh, just it, it may not be done, everything, but yeah. Feels I good feel like feel that good. was a, a pretty big bullet to dodge there. Pope? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, even if he had left, like Hypo would have been. Can you imagine the guys lining up to coach wide receivers for Josh Hypel in this offense? But just that, from a narrative standpoint right, of right. Georgia, who who probably should be the three-time defending national champions, probably the best program in college football right now, coming off after your wide receivers coach, who nobody knew who he was before you hired him, mm-hmm. and and him turning them down to stay on your staff, that's big time. The other story, uh, it was yesterday as well, there was a report, um, like, them losing, uh, who's the receiver? Gosh, Mike Matthews. Mm-hmm. Losing Matthews is is really like they really wanted him, and apparently he was one where they really offered him a a um, competitive NIL package. Aww. Like they weren't trying to get him on a discount. So 
guess he wants to come play for Kelsey Pope in Tennessee. Guess so. Quick timeout. The drive continues. It's Fan Run Radio. Open up the phone lines here if you want to jump in. Go ahead and line them up. 865-546-8200. Your number to get on the show. We're back with more right after this. Fan Run Radio, the drive continues. Ryan Schumpert, Rocky Top Insider. Bear, what did you learn? Oh, uh, what were we just talking about right after we went to break? Uh, like the the coaching changes um, with, oh, Inge. I think that was a, that was a solid hire. And, it, you know, I, I trust Hype on this because I, I feel like he's pretty good at, <clears throat> like, talent evaluation like he knows talent when he sees it he knows it in players and it, it seems like he's so far i mean the only one i'm still the jury's still kind of out on would be ablin but mm. for the most part all of his coaches are they're legit and he knows which guys are talented so i trust him and the end guy just sounds like we got somebody to coach our linebackers that's qualified to be a defensive coordinator i'm just glad that Tennessee was able to get the win over the finish line against Missouri last night so that we didn't have to hear Rick Barnes you know do you know where I'm going with this Houston possibly Uh, Rick Barnes I I didn't want to hear him do his stop doing the overrated chant thing to the Missouri fans he really hates that he does hate that and I I found myself thinking about that in the last 10 minutes I was like oh man if Tennessee doesn't win this, they're going to chant it. Do they do that to us? It's going to be the overrated chant. And Barnes, I could see him. This is as close as he would get to a Danny Hurley moment, like going, "Don't do that. You're insulting your own team." He hates that so much. It's 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 really kind of weird. I think. I like. I get what he's saying, but it's just it's not one that of the big very few like, like really old man kind of things. <laughs> yeah, <he does>. yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't say that. That's you're better your than own, that. It's selling your own team short. It hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. <laughs> the deacon. So many fatherly tendencies. Oh, yeah. Hey, granddaddy. 865-546-8200. Get some phone calls started here. Stevie is up first today. What's up, Stevie? Russell! Steven, how are you, sir? I had to yell out to Tucker yesterday in your absence. You got to do what you got to do. You know, you don't have to yell at anybody, really, Stevie. You just say hello. Do you not like it? That's beside the point. I'm just saying Stevie decides what Stevie does. It's a free country. You know that, well, right? Well, now I feel a little self-conscious and doubting myself. It wasn't my intention, Stevie. I'm sorry. But you I'm didn't sorry. answer the question. I've forgotten the question already. What was it? I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Guys, that was so much fun last night to go, what, what, were the teams combined one for 20 to start the game? Somewhere around there. I think one of 17 was the number. Uh, I mean, they had the lead on us, and they didn't, they hadn't made a field goal. Because yeah. <laughs> they had made the one foul shot. We were down four to two, and they were 0 of 11, I yeah, think. Yeah. They had made four free throws. 
I was just sitting next to my wife, chuckling. And I liked the way the Tom Hart guy was just leaning into it when they started scoring points, acting like it was the end of the game. It was awesome. What was it he said at one point? He's like, this has turned into the All-Star game. <laughs> that was, was like, great. Okay. You know, I'm a big Tobey guy. You know, I love Tobey Awaka. And, boy, I was so happy to see him perform last night. Weren't you guys? Oh, sure. I mean, he arguably saved the game. I know Connect obviously got us started there, but it was Tobey down the stretch just dominating on the boards, make six of eight shots, make six of seven free throws, Mm -hmm. which is a startling statistic as well. So, yeah, he really helped Tennessee get it over the finish line. He kept us in it when nobody else could score. Now, granted, Missouri wasn't Mm -hmm. scoring at will, but every now and again he'd – He'd get a bucket, or he hit. He hit some free throws. That instead of us, once Connect finally got going, instead of being down twelve or fourteen, I think it was what like six. And I, I think Tobe had a lot to do with that, just by kind of chipping away and playing his game. And then once Connect got going, I thought Tobe got going even more and turned it in maybe his best performance as a Tennessee ball. I think he deserves more minutes. I mean, I know this is a common theme all year, but. Some of these guys on the bench, they need more minutes than they're getting. I think they can be more contributors than they are if they got more minutes. Well, I, I think every game is different, and Tobey plays 23 minutes last night. I don't think you're going to see that from him every uh, game. And, I, and I, I don't know that you should because different guys are going to have hot hands on different nights. You know, your guy Ganey – only has five points. He only took two field goals. He did have the first field goal make of the game. Yeah, I mean he he has not not many not not a lot of scoring impact last night. But some nights he is, and and you're going to play him more. And some nights Vescovy's going to get hot. Mm-hmm. Different mm-hmm. guys are going to get hot, and so you just have to be adaptive. And to me, that's again an encouraging thing here is that Rick Barnes was able to see that this is the way this game is going. Last night doesn't mean that's the way the game's going to go Saturday night. You have to be able to identify that as a coach and adjust on the fly. Mm. Mm. So wise, Russ. Hey, can we do a fan run radio Lindsey Nelson Stadium glizzy eating competition live? Say say that again. A, a what competition? A fan run radio live from Lindsey Nelson Stadium glizzy eating competition. Are you saying glizzy? Yeah. Yes. You don't know what a glizzy what, is? What right? exactly what is a glizzy? a glizzy? Tucker, you know what a glizzy is. I do know what a glizzy is. Well, just tell yeah. me. Tell, tell us what you a glizzy is. You want to do a contest, Tucker? It's a hot dog. A glizzy is a hot dog. <laughs> glizzy yeah. is a hot dog, yes. Now, if you want to take on somebody at Fan Run, we'll we'll bring in. We've got somebody we can bring in. Are you, are you, are you throwing down a challenge right now? No way, Jose. I'm not good at a quantity eating food contest. You just want no to way. see a bunch of our slobs make themselves <laughs> sick at Lindsay Nelson yes! Stadium. Yes. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll, I'll pay just a ticket make a, to get into that. I'm just going to make a call up to Kodak. Call him the wild man himself out of retirement. Adam I was going to say, we, we kind of lost our ringer when it comes to uh, eating no, competitions. No, we didn't. Maybe, no. maybe we got him on retainer. I'm not yeah. sure. He'd gladly do. Mm. Well, there are there are rumors of a fan run night at Smokey's Park this mm. this year. So hey, maybe that's, right that's a potential. That's in his backyard. 
How big a boy are you? You want to take on that dude? Smokey's Park Glizzy Eating Contest, sponsored by Fan Run Radio. That'd be fun. What? Can we just call it hot dogs? <laughs> no, Russell, we got to make it weird. Come on. Again, Lizzie. you don't have to. You, you you get to decide, Stevie. I mean, you, you've chosen to make it weird. You don't have to make it weird. That it's is in a my choice. blood, Russell. It's I, in my I, I understand that. <laughs> Thank you, Stevie. Appreciate it. <laughs> Let the boy watch. Watch and learn. El Diablo is next. Good afternoon, Diablo. Guys, in my years of life, I have never heard a hot dog called a glizzy. Tucker, how do? You, where is this? Maybe this is just my generation. I don't know, but no, I, I've it's heard a young ter- person thing. I, I've heard the term before. A glizzy. Okay, yeah. young that people the, suck. Yeah, I mean, that, that is like naming something. Just it's been called that for what, like over a hundred years, probably. Yo, man, give me a glizzy. I, I don't know where it started, but it got real popular. Put some for a mustard while. on that glizzy, yo. <laughs> it, it sounds about borderline disgusting. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a disgusting food to begin with, if we're being honest. And yeah, let let's make it sound even worse. A glizzy, like who started this? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, sounds like a mixed drink. I, I've got it for you. Uh, just another word. Uh, it gained popularity in the early 2020s, uh, though the term was widely used in. Apparently, it's a Washington D.C. thing. Early 2020s is now. So, All, it's, it's, so it's many great up. ideas coming out of Washington these days. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fellas, uh, that fest last night. That we watched called a basketball game. You know, uh, one of the things we might have stumbled upon is uh, Adu and Awaka playing together seemed to have some good chemistry there and gave us some really productive minutes. And I don't recall them being on the floor too much at the same time. Am I right in that? Hasn't happened much. It's happened a handful of times, but last night was definitely the most extensive and productive use of that lineup. Yeah, it's it's more of a matchup thing, I feel like. You feel somebody out, you know they're weak in the post, and you want to bring those guys in together, or you want to match up with their other two centers, just depending on which team you're playing. But we're not going to see that every night, I don't think. I agree with that. And, and you know, maybe I'm just being uh, too general, but – it seems to me like within the first five minutes of a ball game, you pretty much know what you're going to get out of Triple J because he seems like in the first five minutes, if he hits a couple of jumpers, we're going to have a good game out of him. But if he doesn't, we're going to have 40 minutes of nothing. That just It seems to be a, a feast or famine with Triple J. Yeah, we were talking about that in the, during one of the breaks. And, and Vescovy kind of as well, like, yeah. I, I think – now, now, Triple J, he was one of six last night, and I feel like I have said that a hundred times the past couple. Yeah. I know that's exaggerating. One of six, seven, so many eight. one of six, mm-hmm. one of sevens from Triple J, but he and Vescovy both like if if they don't hit one of those first two or three looks, yeah, you're just not exactly. getting anything. Not on offense, no. no. And then you all were talking about Webster's press conference. Hey, listen, if I coach that team, I'd probably drop a few F-bombs, too. Webster? That's what we're going with? Yeah, have you Hey, listen. Oh, I, I get it. You don't have to explain it. it to me. You don't have to explain it to me. I don't know how I feel about that. It's like it's this good. Saturday, we're still on that celebrity cruise. Uh, uh, you know, one of the Stooges, Curly's coaching this weekend with a vest on. 
he, I, I expect uh, they pan over and he's over there going, what you talking about, a waka? <laughs> hey, uh, um, speaking of the, this weekend, uh, for those of us that can't get over there, what time is first pitch on Saturday and what time is tip-off? It's a 2 o'clock first pitch and the tip-off is at 8. So there's a decent amount of separation between the games. At least there should be. Hey, and who's televising the games? Is it ESPN Plus for the baseball? That or SEC Network Plus. It's one of the pluses for baseball. Okay, what about what about basketball? Should be ESPN. Yeah, ESPN Saturday. All right. Hey, guys, have you seen the report coming out where uh, Eli Drinkafith was heckling ZZ at the game last night? You know, we were talking about that earlier. Have you ever seen that? I mean, you know, that's. A paid employee. I mean, I don't remember Philip Fulmer going over to Thompson Bowling and heckling the other team's players. What's up with that? I think some folks might have got got. A lot of people got Richard G. Wested. Uh, Richard G. Some artists work in clays, other work in oils, pastels. But he claimed uh, quite a few scalps the past 24 hours, it would seem. Stay with us. The Drive continues. Hour number two coming up. The Drive.